Warning. You're about to hear unfiltered insights about regenerative agriculture and our sovereign right to natural food. This is not just a podcast, but a patriotic movement against the tide of food ignorance and corporate food giants shaping our modern food system. It's time to feed the people. Dog. Man, you muted. Go ahead and unmute yourself, my man. Uh, let's get there. How you doing this morning, brother? We good. What's up good, with you, good. AJ? Same. Look good in that ten full hat. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I got a comment on Instagram the other day. Oh yeah. A friend of mine, Dave Robinson, the chopper himself. He was like, "Dude, the tin foil hat." <laughs> I said, "That's what we call speed of implementation." We thought yep. about it on the show. Next show, on. It was ready. Ready to go. That's right. That's right. Man, it's uh all as always. Real good to be back with you. Yep. Likewise. Um, you know what? What? Pop quiz. AJ. (laughs) What is the headquarters of the World Economic Forum? It is in Davos. My man, Davos. We have a correct answer. See if I can get you a round of applause here. Woo! No, let's get you a round of applause. Correct answer. Pop quiz right out of the gate. He wasn't ready. That's why it's a pop quiz. Bro, you're making me nervous like I was in high school again. (laughs) (laughs) It's very devilish, the pop quiz. Oh, I hate pop quizzes. Yeah. But I nailed that one. You nailed it. And so today on the show, which is episode 13... Um, we're going to be discussing a lot of the things that were brought up related mm-hmm. to our topic. There were many things that were brought up at the World Economic Forum 2024 in Davos, Switzerland, but we are going to be covering things that are specific to our topic, which is food for food supply chain, the climate, energy, all the yep. above. So if you're ready, I'm ready, my man. I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. This is a Bloomberg. This is just a preview of Davos. Okay. The globe's political, corporate, and cultural elite gathering in a tiny alpine village in Switzerland for the World Economic Forum. Tom, it's the annual pilgrimage to Davos for the event that's over the years been dubbed everything from globalist Glastonbury to speed dating for CEOs. This year's World Economic Forum will be attended by more than 2,700 political and business leaders, including the Chinese Premier Li Chung, Francis Emmanuel Macron, the EU Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, and the Israeli President Isaac Herzog. There's plenty to discuss on the geopolitical front, but also the hundreds of CEOs attending will be talking about economic issues as well as new technologies. Much is made every year of the politicians who do and don't go to the World Economic Forum. Here in the UK, we had the opposition Labour leader, Keir Starmer, being criticised for attending last year. Is it a bad look? 
in a year where we're talking about rebuilding trust if you go to Davos or if you don't go? I think it depends. I think it depends on cultural sensitivities of the country. I think if you're an emerging economy, uh, showing up in Davos and getting deals done on trade is a good thing. Mm. If you're Rishi Sunak and you're married to a billionaire, it's probably not a good look, which is why he stayed away last year. He's not expected to show up this year as well. If you're, you know, Mr. Zelensky, president of Ukraine, then it probably would be a good look, whether it's by a video or in person to show up to, to make sure that people don't forget Ukraine. So I think it's it's very personal. And whether you show up or not really gives you a glimpse, actually, of what your country is facing or your company is facing. Well, I didn't get my invitation. What the heck? These guys must work for... WEF. I wonder why. <clears throat> the, the people talking, right? Because if you're not there, you're nobody. Let's let's make the guy, these guys this this unelected force, the premier, the place to be, even if you're an elected official. Well, as much as I'd love to say that there's no representation of our beliefs here at the World Economic Forum, as we'll find out later in the show, there is. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you happen to catch the theme of this year's World Economic Forum? I don't know that I did. All right. Well, here's Ursula von der Leyen. She is the, uh, what's her official title? I think she's like the president of the European Commission. This is a quick little clip on her. You'll hear the theme in this clip. The sobering reality is that we are once again competing more intensely across countries than we have in several decades. And this makes the theme of this year's Davos meeting even more relevant rebuilding trust. I'll I'll let her continue. I'm pausing her. I got about another 35 seconds. Yeah. This is not a time for conflicts or polarization. This is a time to build trust. This is a time to drive global collaboration more than ever before. This requires immediate and structural responses to match the size of the global challenges. I believe it can be done, and I believe that Europe can and must take the lead in shaping that global response. So, AJ, the theme? The theme is building trust. Rebuilding trust. Now, why would they need to rebuild trust? Well, because they broke it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And how do they break it, in your opinion? Oh, in my opinion, well, I think... Where I became aware of it was during COVID, mm-hmm. and but that's only when it came to the forefront of what was going on. There was definitely conversations happening prior to that that none, that most of us kind of were going through our lives without even being fully aware of. And then COVID happened, and then it became very clear what was going on. I mean, the 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 they had already gone through practice runs of a released virus and what would happen and how to respond to that. And I believe it, I, I believe it was in October. Yeah. I believe it was in October before the November accident and spill out. Yeah. Which at first of course was labeled a conspiracy theory, but now the lab leak is a widely at least considered, if not accepted iteration yeah. of the story that it was right. leaked out of a lab, possibly a bioweapon, doesn't know if it is or is it not, but I'm just saying at first it was like, there's no way that this is what people, you know, there's no way that that's what happened. And now, of course, we look back and go, okay. So, yes, this is the type of place where um, things like this are discussed 
And the theme this year was rebuilding trust. They have to figure out a way to rebuild our trust. Um, What I did was for this show is I also clipped some news, um, some news articles or news clips that are discussing this. Part of what I wanted to do on the show is just deconstruct how this is presented in the news. Um, this is CBC News. This is, uh, again, on the theme of rebuilding trust at Davos. CBC is a Canadian broadcast company. Okay. World leaders, corporate giants, top academics, they're all coming together in Davos, Switzerland today. It's the start of the 54th World Economic Forum. And security is very tight at the Swiss ski resort as those why. international elites begin to arrive. Number of key politicians. One thing that I love here is I'm going to back it up. Just she, They're going ahead and acknowledging it. Uh, the, the elites, they're calling them. It's not just us, the, the common folk calling <laughs> them the elites now. It's the news. As yeah. those international elites begin to arrive, number of key politicians are going to be there. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Emmanuel Macron, the French president, key Middle East leaders as well. But uh, it's the economics of things front and center, the daunting global economic forecast. That'll certainly be of interest to central bankers. Mark Carney, the former Bank of Canada head, one of those who's scheduled to talk today. But to no real official Canadian representation in all of this? I think the biggest risk uh, we face is that we lose hope and that we lose trust, trust into our institutions and particularly trust in our capability to shape a better future. He, (laughs) Klaus Schwab just sounds like Emperor Palpatine or whatever from Star Wars. We must not lose trust. We must not lose faith in our global society. I, whenever I hear him, I think of uh, Mega. Is it Mega Mind? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't know why. I just laugh now. He's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Klaus Schwab is. Uh, he wears robes. I know. Which is, I, there aren't that many key clothing and apparel markers of an evil like leader robes has got to be up towards the top if you're wall yeah. if you're wearing robes as a general wear it's just like a sign that you're <laughs> just like a sign you might be on the wrong side you, you might be a little full of yourself and the ego should probably have a little a few deaths man to- bring you back down to earth yeah we have to rebuild trust in our empire it's not so good crazy <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they're they're focused on rebuilding trust and they believe that the way to do that is to pull the same people back together and get their messaging right. Um, but unfortunately, as we'll get into in the next couple of clips, the things that tend to come up tend to, for me, at least continue to break down trust. Mm-hmm. OK, um, so this next little ramp of clips as we're just chopping through. Um, this is Antonio Guterres. Uh, he's the Secretary General of the UN, and this is his little clip, it, uh, clip about AI and climate. Now, these two issues, climate and AI, are exhaustively discussed by governments, by the media, and by leaders here in Davos. And yet, we have not yet an effective global strategy to deal with either. And the reason is simple. Geopolitical divides are preventing us from coming together around global solutions 
for global challenges. He says that like it's a bad thing. Yeah. Everybody's not agreeing on the same thing. So you know, since not everybody agrees, that's why we can't get together. But like that's kind of the point of having a decentralized system is that we have differentiating thoughts and ideas about stuff so we can come up with the best solutions as opposed to the one mind lockstep solutions to things, as he pointed out, climate change, which is still I would like to reemphasize if you haven't go back and listen to the last episode or two of the Feed the People podcast where we discussed that it's not just completely settled science, no matter how much they try to like drill that into our brain. I have a feeling, I have a belief, let me just say it that way. And it's my belief. I know it's shared by others, but I think there is one single, I'm going to call it a thing, that keeps what they're trying to do from just sweeping quickly. Do you have any guesses what that is? Do you, do you know me well enough? Is it guns in the United States? <laughs> in the United States. You know me so well. Oh my God. Shout out guns. My right, my right to have this right here. Your right, if you're an American, my right to have this right here is the thing that is in the way from complete takeover. All right. I had to say for the towards the end of the show, but I'm just gonna go, I'm just gonna play it. Okay. 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 So this is, do you know the comedian Shane Gillis? Uh, if I heard him probably, you know, him when you hear him, uh, just a quick little, uh, caveat to the listeners out there. He's a comedian. So he uses some foul language. So if you have any <laughs> children around, turn the volume down or maybe skip ahead like a minute and a half in the show. Good we travel a lot for this. We went to Australia this year. Anytime I go to another country, as soon as I get out of the airport and start like driving around, I'm just like, Dude, this is your fucking country, dude. Other countries suck. America is number one. Dude, it's not. It's not even close. It's official. I've been to like three other countries. It's official. And other countries hate it too. They hate that we're number one. You ever tell them? You ever go to another country and tell them we're number one? Swim up to like a pool bar, just. And you know we're number one. They hate it, dude. They try to bring up bullshit to bring us down. They're like, what about all the mass shootings you guys have all the time? It's like, at least we're not gay. <laughs> you know? There's really not a good comeback to that because that's a pretty serious problem. And we're the only country doing that. And we're not making any adjustments. <laughs> None. What are we gonna give up our guns like a bunch of fucking gay guys? <laughs> yeah, right, dude. No, we're just gonna have shootings all the time. <laughs> yeah, you know, you gotta have, have a little fun on the show, you know. What we I'm do, saying? we do. Uh, but I should say in response to that, because I gotta respond to that. Please. It's a good it's a good joke. It's a great joke. But the reality side of that is bullshit. They're leaning on that to shut it down. But here's the here's the reality. Do you know how many millions of people would die if we gave up our rights to our freedom to the Second Amendment? Do you have an actual stat on this budget just by chance? Uh, no, but we should do question? a full show on that because 
where I'm coming from with this is when you don't have look at look at these other countries that don't have the right to defend themselves. You know, this the Holodomor. I was having a conversation with a friend about the Holodomor. I bring this up a lot on the show because we're seeing re- history repeating itself if we're not careful. Uh, in many countries, the first thing that they did was take away the citizens' right to bear arms. And then they made sweeping socialist changes that cost the lives of millions of people. And you might look at that and say, just like the conversation about the Wuhan leak, it's pretty clear that's what happened. And you talk to a different side of the aisle and they're going to say, well, no, there's some evidence to show, blah, blah. You're going to hear the same thing when it comes to did the loss of your Second Amendment in a country lead to the death of millions of people through starvation? No, those aren't real. You're going to have people say those aren't related. So you can argue one side or the other. I'm just telling you, that's what I believe. He mentioned Australia, Shane did. And Mm -hmm. that was one of the countries that voluntarily gave up their guns. Mm -hmm. And they were also one of the fastest places to go to tyranny during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. And people were getting getting jailed for Facebook posts, bro. I watched the whole thing unfolding. It's crazy. I mean, it's. It's one thing if you make like a specific targeted, I'm going to do this type of threat, which could get flagged uh, mm-hmm. and, or reported. But it's quite another when you're just saying, I don't I don't think this is right. And they're like, you know what? Jail. Yep. And those types of things do become a lot more possible when mm-hmm. you are disarmed. Yep. Yeah. That's right. And anyway. so, well, I mean, so. It's, it's related because we're talking about yeah. building trust and losing trust. And that for mm-hmm. us, one of the things that keeps America, the United States, from tyranny and also uh, makes us uh, a little bit of a wild card when it comes to getting the globalist agendas across is the fact that we have weapons. But like I said earlier, I don't think they're doing as good of a job rebuilding trust as they might imagine, which is why I'm pro Second Amendment here in the United States, and things like this statement from the W from the uh, Wall Street Journal editor in chief really drive this home. When there's a big, big news event, a big world event, people still come to the legacy brands. We still have a lot of trust, but I think you only have to go back. I think I think we have to maintain that trust and we have to work at maintaining it in a way that we didn't have to do not so long ago so if you go back really not not that long ago as i say we kind of we owned the news we were the gatekeepers and we very much owned the facts as well if it said it in the wall street journal the new york times then that was a fact Nowadays, people can go to all sorts of different sources for the news and they're much more questioning about what we're saying go yourself perfect place for that you own the news you own the facts you say it like it's a bad thing that people that you no longer have a monopoly on facts that we can do our own research decentralizing (laughs) information should be one of the key pillars of a free society now they're going to make the argument later that well you don't you don't have a way to curate fat you don't have a way to uh systematically check whether or not those facts are accurate But I would argue they've shown that they're clearly not systematically curating or finding out, uh, checking the facts, 
because they yeah. presented a ton, a ton of dis and misinformation. Mm-hmm. And then anything that was counterfactual to that was labeled by them as dis and misinformation. And yeah. it turns out that a lot of the information that was labeled dis and misinformation that had to be sent out and disseminated through podcasts and through blogs and through all of these channels that they are upset now that have access to being able to reach an audience. Well, it turns out that a lot of that was true Mm -hmm. and it was censored and silenced. And a lot of really uh, trustworthy scientists were deplatformed for talking facts. So yes, uh, in an effort to rebuild trust, if you're, the truth wants to come out, you're openly acknowledging that, you own the facts that that was part of the system before. And now you're right. upset that you're losing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <clears throat> you know, we as sovereign citizens, cause that's what we are still, at least for now, have the choice to choose, should have the choice to choose where we consume our food, where we consume our information, how we live our lives, as long as we're not hurting other people. So to, to, um, gaslight me for deciding to do my own research, not from a paid off institution. That's, you're not building trust here. That's for sure. The only people you're building trust with is the Satanist. If you listen to our last show, (laughs) because a bunch of people are stupid now and they're just going to go along with whatever, uh, the, the most attractive marketing comes their way. And I use that uh, that word specifically attractive because, you know, sex sells, sugar sells, action sells, all these different like things that, you, that, you know, you can heighten your emotions and drama, your Dra- drama, especially men- like intentionally amplified drama. Mm-hmm. Yep. I on mean, reality, and, and on, quote, reality TV that is yeah. scripted and set up to have these movements. And you're like, oh, yeah, we're just going to call it. We've just accepted that we call it reality TV, mm-hmm. knowing that it's not. Yeah. Like there is a certain level of like opt in to evil when you agree to call something that you know it's not. Yeah. And we know reality TV is in a no way reality, but we're like, yeah, it's reality TV. What do you want me to say? <laughs> right. Right. So this so that was the Wall Street Journal editor in chief talking about the fact that they owned the facts. Okay. This right. is from the World Economic Forum of 2022. Part of the reason that the trust was broken is because you had people like Melissa Fleming saying things like this. You know, we partnered with Google, for example. If you Google climate change, you will, at the top of your search, you will get all kinds of UN resources. We started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we Googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So we, we're becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own the science and we think that the world, you know, should know it. And, and the platforms themselves also do. Um, but again, it's, it's, it is, um, it's, it's a huge, huge challenge that I think all sectors of society need to be very active in. They own the science. They own the facts. What else do the elites own? You know what I mean? You know, mm-hmm. they I, it's so, yeah, well, the trust is soon, broken. Soon they'll own the food if we don't stop the intellectual food property. I mean, that's what when I say that the research of the Holodomor is pointing to modern uh, it's pointing to what we're seeing now. It really is. If, if you just go read and study 
the Holodomor. And, and, and I just use that as an example, but there's other examples of that, even more recent in China with 1960s, I believe, 55 million people starved to death. But while the, while the uh, tactics have adjusted slightly because of modernization, because of social media, because of you know the, the advancements in technology, so the amount of people you can reach, uh, and because um, now that you know a dictator could go in and just wipe out a village and nobody would really know about it on a mass scale because there's not social media, so they've had to become more strategic and sneaky on how to do these things, there's still an exact resemblance of the process. And typically, I mean, what we're seeing here is regulation. So rather than come in and just take you out because we want to move, we're going to use regulation and governing bodies and, um, and, and media to manipulate certain rules and laws so that we can slowly take what we want. I mean, this whole thing, I don't know if you knew about the, what was going on with the SEC and they were voting on whether or not they could sell off natural resources like air and water in public lands and private lands on the New York Stock Exchange. It, for, fortunately for us, it was struck down, but they're pushing. And what we know about the tiptoe to tyranny is that it got struck down now. I promise you, if things don't change significantly, it will be back on the ballot with different wording and if we become complacent, we won't see it, and it will pass. The totalitarian tiptoe. Oh, yeah. They're coming back for it. Yeah. Uh, they're definitely coming back for it. Uh, some people are arguing that what happened during the pandemic was a, quote, dry run. Mm. A dry run. They fully yeah. expected to, to run it back, as we <laughs> say on another show, to run it back. And, uh, I mean... <sighs> Part of the problem is that people are easily, at this point, scared into believing that the what they're saying is like, yo, uh, by the way, this one in a hundred year event, which the pandemic was, the last time we had something of that magnitude, I believe, was the Spanish flu pandemic of like 1912 or something mm -hmm. like that, that this is going to, that there is another one on the way soon. Disease X. This is X. X. And then you got people uh, like, uh, this is the president of the European Commission, not, uh, I think uh, Ursula von der Leyen might have a different above that title. She's not the president. She's like the above that European Commission. Um, but when you have, they're going all in on these beliefs and in an effort to, quote, rebuild trust, um, they're out there saying that they got to, they, that they, they will give us the facts. This information is a security threat. And uh, maybe not many noticed, but it was part of the Russian military doctrine that they will start information war. And we are in it now. And this information is a very powerful tool. So how we think about it in the EU, we are focusing on uh, uh, Proving of the system where the people will get the facts right. We don't speak about opinions. We are not correcting anyone's opinions or language. Yeah, this is about the facts. Yeah, you're not correcting them. You're just censoring them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not going to correct them. You're just yep. going to censor them. Yeah. I think I have a personal hypothesis. Okay, this is 
It's just a hypothesis because I'm working on a, another show for Serious Fun about um, Russia being a red herring for a lot of what's going on. My hypothesis thus far is because Russia wouldn't play ball with the Great Reset, that they have then become the boogeyman. Mm. So saying that Russia, it's been part of Russia's uh, plot or ploy to use inf- to create an information war. The information war has been going on for decades. Hmm. They didn't yep. just create the information war. Every nation and every power alliance on earth has been participating in an information war for the history of time. We yeah, just had, it's, it's all, it's not new. And so to even present it as if it's a new strategy by Russia to me is just completely disingenuous. It, it's yeah. completely disingenuous propaganda. Like it's like saying that no, there, there was no information war on world war two. <laughs> there was yeah. no information war on world war one. There yeah. was no information war during the cold war. When McCarthy and all of uh, were, you know, rambling like a uh, wrapping up or uh, wrangling up anybody that was a perceived communist. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I, I'm not a communist. I don't defend communism as a system. I think it's broken, and I think it will never work. But to use a anytime somebody tries to make it a black and white issue of boogeyman hero, I'm skeptical. Yeah, and so Russia—it's—it's it's part of Russia's plan to use information war. It's part of our plan to use the information war. It's part of your plan to use the information war. It's not new. If you are aware of the art of war, that was published between 475 and 221 <laughs> BCE, it is about disinformation, so oh your enemy god. doesn't know what's going on. Oh my god! Is it? Uh, what's the author's name? Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu, yeah. Sun Tzu, Sun, uh, Sun, Sun Tzu. Shout out, Sun Tzu. Mate, you are, getting you, up. Yeah, you write a book that lasts uh, twenty four hundred years and is still in print twenty four hundred years later. You probably wrote a gem. Yeah, thanks for starting that party, bro. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, and also, um, it could be you know you could also look at current China through that lens as well and they're doing a really good job and I'm not even going to get into the whole China thing. What Mm -hmm. I do want to get back into is how the, since the theme of this was to rebuild trust um, and how they like how they got to the point of breaking trust. This was the world economic forum. I believe this is 2022. It's possible. This was 2023. We've used this one before, but just to remind everybody, like this is where they want to take it. We're developing through technology, an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Hmm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. Stay tuned. They don't have it operational yet, but they're sure as heck working on it. And I'm sure it'll just be for individuals just to know so they can be conscious of their of their footprint and make better decisions. I'm sure it in no way will be related to any sort of score and regulation of your actions. I'm sure that is in no way a possibility. What do you think has to happen to get large-scale adoption of a system like that? You have to create a climate crisis. Yes. You have to create a global crisis— so they're going to run it back. 
because now the technology is being put together because how else are you going to get anybody to adopt this after we've already called bullshit? Frankly, I think if they, if, and when they run it back, it will be worse because they, they're, they're that's the goal. They have to make it worse because we looked at last one. I went, really, it's only those that are really metabolically, uh, uh, weakened that are the ones at risk. And so once people really started wrapping their minds around that, it, it, it got pushed aside. So now they have to one up themselves so that they can move in that direction. And let me just say, because this is the feed the people podcast, the point of the software that we're developing from the farm is to be a counter to what is coming in the future. You know, uh, we know there's a disruption that's likely, I'm not going to say it's, I don't have a crystal ball. I feel that it's likely everything is pointing to that it's likely because of the the overreach of so many different parties trying to to take sovereign rights and look what's happening in Germany with the farmers and now France and all these other countries are starting to rally in the EU to to support the ranchers and the farm we don't have ranchers but farmers over there for growing food <clears throat> so they'll be pushed back and so a lot of times we talk about the software we're building and you know it's a pretty risky thing to be involved in this at, at this current juncture but the conversation we have is what if what we're doing is one of the tools that help us make it through what's coming there's a lot of good people doing good things right i'm here at this U utah beef producers slaughterhouse it's a lot of money it's a lot of risk to put in we're hearing of other plants all around us actually closing or getting ready to close because of financial constraints that that um, they're having a hard time figuring out. And yet here's somebody, Henry, building another slaughterhouse, despite all of this news, because having faith going forward that what we're doing is putting some systems in place that at least those around us, because we can't feed the entire country, but at least those around us have an option. The point of From the Farm is to give people around the country an option and hopefully bolster that independence, that food sovereignty amongst each other. I don't know if you saw my, I think you saw that post I did on my story that in the UK, they're now saying that growing your own garden has a higher carbon footprint than buying it from the grocery store. Dude, that is just. It's total. And, and just because it was in the UK, don't think that there aren't parties latching on to that in our own country that are going to try to move, uh, this information conversation that we're having in that direction. And they're going so, to sensationalize it. So oh, th sure. this is a sensationalization, an intentional exaggeration of the problem. Yes. To scare and, people. And even two years, I think it was two years ago, there was a, they, they started telling people that they needed to register their gardens. So Brooks, if you had a private garden in your backyard, they wanted you to register it. And then you see an article like this. And so, and you, know, you hear that last clip where it's like, we, you, we have a way to track your carbon footprint. Yeah. So, so you oh. can, so you can make the right decisions. It's like, oh, so we can track our carbon footprint or so you can track our far carbon exactly. footprint. Exactly. Well, see in the cattle industry, a lot of people don't know that they're pushing uh, RFID ear tags for cattle. Yo. Yes. Yes. And, and they're going to they're going to link it to the blockchain. Yeah. And they're, and they're going to track that meat from, from farm to table. 
Yes. Now, they're painting it as a good thing. We can track it. You'll have transparency. You'll know where it came from. Here's the problem. When they start implementing globalist climate rules, they will be able to track that animal all the way back. And if what, what they can do is like, oh, your fence is supposed to have this much height or this much gap, and it doesn't according to these regulations. We can track you now. Oh, you gave your animal this much time on forage when it should have been – or this much time in the feedlot when it should have been on forage. You know, all of these different nuances, they are – just like this guy's talking about, we can track you. The RFIDs for cattle will be used against us in the same fashion, and um, it, it's pretty – it's crazy. We, this has been wild. a running theme on the show. It's that these these um, ideas are meant to make you you know safe you know and make things yes. safe and effective, and so vegaseg but yourself. What you say about others is who you really are. Most of this is a projection tool. They're like, we're going to give this so you can be so you can be free so you, so mm-hmm. you can have more information so you can no they're doing it so they can have more information they're they're making yeah. it so they're trying to make their job easier they're trying mm-hmm. to be able to track everything from start to finish so they so they can uphold ease more easily regulations that are to come so you if if i were to do this i would get the infrastructure in place before the rules because if you knew the rules, you could build the infrastructure. You could you could circumvent the infrastructure because you know the rules. Mm-hmm. So you create the infrastructure first, and then you add the rules second. So yeah. once the infrastructure is in place, then I can apply new rules that favor the infrastructure that we have implemented. And they're going to use conversations like this. They're going to use so uh, one of the words that has come that has been used so much in the past year is the word genocide. Mm. There's a genocide quote. I'm, I'm, I'm using air quotes. There's a genocide happening in Palestine. Mm. But when you really look at what a genocide is, it's an intentional wiping out of all of the people. With all due respect, I'm not making a stand. I'm, I'm, a, I'm anti-war yeah. pretty much on all fronts. So let's make that clear. I'm anti-war. I don't think what's happening in Israel and Gaza Strip is a good thing. It's 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 terrible because the common people of any area are always the one to be harmed, hurt. It's a tragedy. Yeah, no it's doubt not about the politicians. It. It no doubt about politics. it. It's it's always a tragedy. And if you believe that Israel is uh, not capable of eliminating everyone there at the drop of a hat if they felt so inclined if they really wanted to commit actual genocide they could do it mm-hmm. if they really wanted to mm-hmm. now not to mention the question about why none of the other arab arab nations are accepting palestinian immigrants we can get into that in another none of them none of them right. are accepting right. palestinian immigrants that should tell you yeah. something right there I've seen video and images of the wall between Palestine and, and Egypt. Egypt. Huge. And it's because yeah. the – forget about it. It's yeah. because there's a, <laughs> yeah. there's a history there. There's a history right. of what happens when they've allowed Palestinian immigrants. They radicalize the local population and they try to overthrow those governments. Okay? Mm. So this is, this is a repeated pattern. My point yeah. is sensational language is being so abused that it's losing its meaning. Mm. If you call something 
something that it's not, then the word that you're using loses power over time. It's like saying that everything is racism or everything is fat phobia or transphobia or anytime you try to use sensational language as an argument and if you uh, that doesn't match objective facts then one it discredits the messenger mm-hmm. and it discredits the message and it also starts to diffuse the power of the word because yeah. if i hear that word one more time to apply to something that it's not then it's it's hard for me to believe you anytime you say it it's like the boy who cried wolf you can only cry wolf so many times before then if there was an actual genocide or an actual thing like that going on, I'm very unlikely to pay attention because you're abusing the language. And this is another example. I mean, ecocide as a word is becoming more, it's becoming better known around the world. And the concept is generally mass damage and destruction of nature. Um, But legally speaking, um, what our organization and other collaborators aim to do is to have this recognized legally as a serious crime. Because one of the issues that sort of pervades all of this discussion is that we have a kind of cultural, very ingrained habit of not taking damage to nature as seriously as we take damage to people and property. Um, and that, I mean, you know, if you're campaigning for human rights, at least you know mass murder, torture, all of these things are serious crimes. But there's no equivalent in the environmental space. Um, and so, and, and you know, unlike a, an international crime like genocide that in, involves a specific intent, with ecocide, what we see is actually what people are trying to do, what businesses are trying to do, is make money, is you know, is farm, is fish, is do all of these things that are um, you know producing energy and so. Um, as well. But what's it, what's missing is the awareness and the conscience around the side effects, around the collateral damage that happens with that. Did you catch the word? Mm. I'll, I'll play it again. I mean, ecocide as a word is becoming more, it's becoming better known. Ecocide. Yep. <laughs> now let me, let me lay this out. I believe that there is environmental damage happening. Mm-hmm. And I believe that, and so she and I, whoever that person is, I didn't happen to catch her name. I believe that we could agree on the fact that there is damage being done to nature. Mm-hmm. Industrial farming practice, or at least large scale and um, large scale farming, chemicals. The waste, the the amount of energy that's used for these large-scale operations, I can agree that this is having an impact. Uh, t- cutting down the rainforest to turn it into palm farm, palm oil farms, palm oil farms, we can agree. Mm-hmm. And my hypothesis is that if they can get this term out there, they can then use it against small farmers. Yes. They can then use it against small fisheries. They can mm-hmm. then use it to say, oh, you're committing ecocide. And by the way, that's you can go to prison. Mm-hmm. You can go to prison if your garden in your front yard is putting out too much, car, is, 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 has too much of a carbon footprint. You're committing ecocide. Yeah. It's a misdemeanor ecocide, so you don't get any prison time. It's just a fine. Mm-hmm. But you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. They're, they're likely going to be using Keep your ears open for ecocide over the next 
year to three years. I get the yeah. feeling this is going to find its way into the mainstream and it's going to start to be applied to regenerative farmers somehow mm-hmm. or people that just want to grow food in their backyard instead of being applied accurately to the companies that are destroying fishy, fishery uh, areas of the world or are spreading have created through over abuse of chemicals weeds that are now destroying all like destroying huge flocks of, or fields of crops because the chemicals aren't working anymore similar to how you overtax antibiotics things become antibiotic resistance mm-hmm. resistant there's a lot of chemical resistant farming happening right now and now these weeds are growing that are almost impossible to kill and they're taking over fields and they're destroying the soil's ability to produce actual food and if you think that that's if you think that that has something to do with the small farmers who's just trying to, you know, uh, sell a hundred head a, a week or a thousand head or whatever it is, you know, but it's likely going to be uh, weaponized against those type of people. That's my hypothesis. I, yeah, so that's a that's a pretty strong hypothesis. I was having a conversation with a rancher. Uh, uh, we've had him on the show, RC, actually, mm-hmm. and. You know, there's this agenda 21, I think is the agenda. And it talks about confine, moving people into basically 15 minute cities, getting them out of rural, rural environments. Right. And, and one of those areas that, that is being highlighted from my understanding is, uh, what they call the Bighorn basin, basically from Yellowstone East in this entire basin. And so it's like, okay, well, how do you, how are you going to move that many people and get them to leave their homes? Because in those areas, everybody's pretty, pretty independent. I mean, we, we live in Cody. We live there because we're self-sufficient and the community is almost completely self-sufficient. And in a, in, you know, in a bad environment or bad experience, that community will rally because it's small and they, they come together. And anyway, the point is, is, um, he was saying that one of the one of the tactics that is most likely going to be used, and this is probably his hypothesis. I haven't read Agenda Twenty One, and it's it, maybe it's spelled out in there. Is that I got a clip? Okay, perfect. Go ahead. So, so it was the government who pushed and promoted chemical fertilizers after World War II. Earl Butts was the head of the USDA, and he's the one that said, "Get big or get out." And what he's referring to is increase your production beyond natural capacity. And the only way to do that is through chemical fertilizers, fungicides, pesticides, herbicides, right? That's the only way you can do that or they understood that you could do that, again, beyond natural capacity. So the belief is they're going to come back around now and blame the destruction on the producers for using the products that were pushed and promoted to them by these corporations and the federal government, but they'll make it the farmers or the ranchers fault for using those products. And then they can effectively take them out. Good Lord. Yeah. That's an interesting uh, thought. And just the, like, I didn't, I didn't know if I ended up using this clip today, but I'm going to go ahead and pull it up here. Uh, I'm just going to let y'all know, everybody just, hold on, maybe I can get a, Hang on. Let's see. I'll use this one. Just be careful. We got a David Icke clip. You know who David Icke is? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is David Icke on Agenda 21. 
This is a map of America. It is America that they want to see under Agenda 21. The red bits are for little to no human use. The yellow bits are for highly regulated use. The only bits for normal use are these bits here and there that are in green. They have to therefore clear the land to bring this about, which explains so much that is going on. Agenda 21, get them off the land. There's now a rural White House Council, which has all the government agencies, including the Department of Defense, to help rural communities know it is to rid rural communities of people under Agenda 21. One of the things they're doing is creating more and more and more environmental regulations to make it impossible for small farmers and small growers and small landowners to survive in the rural communities. And therefore, they're destroying the rural communities to get them off the land. They're sending in these SWAT teams, bloody Keystone bloody cops, to you know treat decent people trying to grow organic and produce raw milk. They're treating them appallingly, brutally, horrifically. They are designed to get people off the land. Monsanto, no food shall be grown that we don't own. And more and more regulations to get people in a situation where it's impossible to continue. And who moves in the corporations to take over the land? More and more people are having their community gardens destroyed because they're told it's not in the zonal regulations, even though people are hungry and are getting the food for nothing. They're being banned from growing food in their front garden at a time of, of great economic challenge. This is what Dr. Richard Day said in 1969. Growing food will be banned by saying it isn't safe and the state corporations will control all food production. The supply and distribution of food will be monitored so that no one can give food to a fugitive of the system. And they're also doing it by changing the regulations to stop people growing food at home. So that all these things are coming together so that only the food ink, big food, will control the food chain. And who gets food? those that conform to the system intellectual food property to your point aj i mean hey listen if if you don't want i.e i'm talking about the world economic forum if you don't want to if you want to rebuild trust you need to stop doing things that validate people like david ike if you're going to call him a wild conspiracy theorist i need to stop seeing things from the telegraph saying if you grow your grow food in your garden it has a higher carbon footprint sorry you can't grow your own food and how they're crack we've already played clips on this show how they're cracking down on people that um you know produce and sell mm -hmm. raw milk um i want to give a quick little shout out to liss wallace for becoming a producer of the feed the people podcast through your talent she sent us a clip. All right. So we got a clip from Wendy. Uh, What's well, from Liz Wallace, but the cr creator of the clip is Wendy Bell Radio. And this mm -hmm. is uh, going back to what David Icke was saying about how horrible the farmers are being treated. This is a clip about an Amish farmer being raided by the Pennsylvania State Police. Yesterday, the tyrannical government here in my state of Pennsylvania decided to roll in and do a little raid. An illegal raid, if you will, of Amos Miller's farm, without any notice, without him being allowed on the premises to see exactly what they were doing, with some goons in the Pennsylvania State Police, and I like the Pennsylvania State Police, but the people who are part of these search warrants, these executed abuses of power, who do not say something about it, are as guilty as the moron judges who believe that this is, re this is reality in 2024. That we should roll in heavy, muscle an Amish farmer, and then create some stupid story about 
Well, a couple people got sick, apparently, drinking some of his eggnog. That's your reason for coming in? Absolutely not. Ladies and gentlemen, they went into his farm. They closed him down. They seized all sorts of products. And they're going to say that the reason why is because they're getting some health issues from people. My friends, this is code for Amos Miller, the Amish farmer in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, was just freaking swatted by his own state government and the federal authorities because he doesn't want to play by their rules. How is this any different than the endless barrage of bullcrap charges and indictments and allegations and all sorts of labels slapped at Donald Trump? No different. Amos Miller isn't a star like Donald Trump, but he's getting there. That was the second time, by the way, for Amos. Yeah. So she mentioned Donald Trump, which is just going to roll me back into my next clip that I have here. And again, if the World Economic Forum is really wanting to rebuild trust, then they got to gotta stop saying the quiet parts out loud. Here's Yuval Harari on what happens if Trump gets reelected. Are you concerned that Trump might be elected again? I, I think it's very likely. Mm. And if it happens, it is likely to be the kind of like the, the death blow to what remains of the global order. And he says it, and he says it openly. Now, again, it should be clear that many of these politicians, they present a false dichotomy, a false binary vision of the world, as if you have to choose between patriotism and globalism, between being loyal to your nation and being loyal to some kind of, I don't know, global government or whatever. So here's where, well, one, he said the quiet part out loud. If Trump gets elected, it's going to be the death blow to the globalist agenda. (laughs) What better incentive do we need to vote for Donald Trump in 2024 is to destroy the globalist agenda. Yeah. Now, what he does here at the very end is it's clever, but it's also insidious. I'm going to he he mocks people who believe this. Listen, just real quick to choose between patriotism and globalism, between being loyal to your nation and being loyal to some kind of, I don't know, global government or whatever or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the or whatever here is the key point. So he's like, you, you're saying you, 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 it's a fake dichotomy that you have to choose between patriotism and a and a some global uh, governance. But it's not global governance in the form that we're creating a single body that has legislative like oversight over everybody. No, 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 no. And that's the point where I just want to like throw the middle finger up at Yuval Harari because he knows better. He knows damn well that these organizations are writing the script and filtering it into municipalities and local governments. He mm-hmm. knows damn well that 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 local mayors are being pressured into in- integrating these globalist ideals and ideas into the local government. So mm-hmm. no, I don't think that there is going to be a international like governing body. And that's like, oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist if you think it's a globalist. uh, No, I don't think that. I think that these global organizations like the WEF, like the WHO, like the forums like COP28 are creating legislator 
language and and nudging local organization, local governmental bodies into implementing it on their behalf. Mm-hmm. Why you don't need a global governing body if you can convince all the local organizations to do it for you. And that's the part where he's like, or whatever. You're just so crazy if you believe that. It's just crazy. You're just crazy. No, I'm not fucking crazy. Excuse my language. I'm not crazy. I'm seeing things for as they are. They are literally implementing these agendas at the local level. We don't need a large governing body to to, to put it in. So when Yuval Harari says, or whatever, and tries to discredit people who are doing that i mean it drives as you can see i I normally don't get ramped up on this show but dude (laughs) it's completely disingenuous on his behalf to do this and thank god thank god for people like kevin roberts who uh is part of he's the leader of a conservative think tank that did get invited to the world economic forum and for three and a half minutes he just puts the screws to him it's laughable that you would or anyone would describe davos as protecting liberal democracy it's standing up for it it's 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 equally laughable to use the word dictatorship at Davos and and aim that at President Trump. In fact, I think that's absurd. But I'm going to step aside from that constructive criticism and instead answer your question. Yep. And, and I'm going to be substantive here. President Trump, if he's the next president, for that matter, I think whoever the next conservative president is going to take on the power of the elites, which I mentioned earlier. But there, the, the thing that I want to drive home here, the very reason that I'm here at Davos, is to explain to many people in this room and who are watching with all due respect, nothing personal, but that you're part of the problem. Political elites tell the average people on three or four or five issues that the reality is X, when in fact reality is Y. Take immigration. Elites tell us that open borders and even illegal immigration are okay. The average person tells us in the United States that both rob them of the American way of life. They're right. President Trump will take that on on behalf of the average American. Elites also tell us that public safety isn't a problem in big American cities. Just travel to New York or Washington or Dallas, Texas. The average person will tell you that the lack of public safety damages not just the American way of life, but their life. President Trump will take that on. Thirdly, I guess the favorite at the World Economic Forum is climate change. Elites tell us that we we have this existential crisis with so-called climate change, so much so that climate alarmism is probably the greatest cause for mental health crisis in the world. The solutions, the average person know, based on climate change, are far worse and more harmful and cost more human lives, especially in Europe during the time that you need heating, than do the problem and the problems themselves. Fourth, two more here, Robin. The fourth, China, the number one adversary, not just to the United States, but to free people on planet Earth. Not only do we at at Davos not say that, we give the Chinese Communist Party a platform. Count on President Trump ending that nonsense. And fifth, as we sit here, another supranational organization, the World Health Organization, is discussing foisting gender ideology upon the global south. These are practices that are under review, if not being rejected, by countries in Northern Europe. The new president, especially if it's President Trump, will, as you like to say, trust the science. He will understand the basic biological reality of manhood and womanhood. And do you know why? Not because of retribution, not because he's a dictator, but because he has the power of the American people behind him. And it's connected to Senator Portman's excellent point 
that in addition to needing a vigorous executive, we look forward to having the popular will inform both the House and Senate in 2025 to pass laws on all of those issues and many others. Ultimately, Robin, I think President Trump, if in fact he wins a second term, is going to be inspired by the wise words of Javier Millet, who said that he was in power not to guide sheep, but to awaken lions. That's what the average American and the average free person on planet Earth wants out of leaders. Just like that, AJ, I'd like to thank you for your courage as we move into this producer break. Oh, dear listener, I hope you're taking a breath with us. I make a commitment to make this fun and to not get too riled up. And here I was getting (laughs) riled up at Yuval Harari. So we definitely needed a break where we could come together, breathe, listen to a nice little ditty, put us in a good mood and say thank you. Thank you for supporting the Feed the People podcast with your time, your talent and your treasure And this is the part in the show where we like to honor all of our talent, treasure, and time donors. And the first one we'd like to thank, Utah Beef Producers. Thank you, Utah Beef Producers, for being a producer of the serious uh, Feed the People podcast. There's the hat. AJ's got it. And for being a treasure donor of $250. Thank you, Utah Beef Producers, for making this possible. Utah Beef Producers is actually the organization that made this show possible. And for that, we owe you so much. And so we love to give AJ a little bit of time. He's already given us some updates on Utah Beef Producers. But AJ, what's going on over there at Utah Beef Producers? We are moving quickly. We'll be open 1st of April. That's the target goal. Uh, we've got some incredible technologies. I've mentioned them before, but if this is the first time listening, we have in technologies that we're implementing around wastewater treatment. We can actually recycle our water four times before it's sending it down the line, which is a big shift because the EPA is pushing forward new rules that are going to make it really difficult for uh, small processing facilities, which by the way, there's only less than 25, there's about 2,500 left in the nation. They're making these new rules to make it harder to be in business. So we are kind of leading the way and developing these west waste, not developing, but implementing these wastewater treatment facilities. In our facility, we'll save about 8 million gallons of water a year. We do have the ability down the road to become 100% off grid with our water, which is impressive. That's incredible. Uh, we also, yeah, incredible. The Anything that doesn't get turned into food is also going to go into another innovative piece of technology that turns all of our solid waste into biochar, which is a massive soil benefit, a soil amendment. It can be used uh, for many things, actually soil amendment. Uh, You can spread it over lagoons to soak up the methane to keep those methane from going in the environment, which is a big push from the global elites to tell you that cows are the problem. So here's the other thing. It can be put into a feed ration, and it's already been proven to reduce methane from a cow, since we're so worried, by 40%. So the waste products of this facility will be turned into Holy cow. That was, it was Hunter, due. I just cow. got it. Holy You're cow. telling me biochar is going to reduce cow burps? Yes, no more worry about cow farts and methane. Well, it's like, uh, it's like charcoal. Uh, it's like, uh, what do you call it? Exactly. The- 
activated charcoal for reducing infl- uh, gas and inflammation in the gut. Yeah, very it's, similar. It's basically yep. agricultural uh, activated mm-hmm. charcoal, biochar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I was in the military, you know, we trained nuclear biological chemical operations. That was my uh, MOS. And what we trained on was how to clean up certain attacks and chemical being one of those trainings. Charcoal is one of the things you use to wipe down yourself and your equipment because it does such a good job extracting all of the toxins and holding it. By wow. A unique aspect of, of biochar that I just want to share is if you take the head of a uh, pencil eraser, right? Something about this size. That size of biochar has 9,000 square feet of surface area. Under a microscope, you see that it's so porous and what that does in the soil or why it works so well to suck up certain object uh, 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 pollutants is because of the square footage of that surface area mm. and its ability to just kind of pull things in. So it'll extract heavy metals out of the soils. Anyway, things are going really well. Like Utah beef producers, we're going to be open around the first, second week of April. Our, uh, our grand opening, if you are in the area in Utah and you would like to come by March 30th, you can go to our Facebook page. Uh, Utah beef producers and RSVP. We'd love to see you here. That's incredible. And I'm looking forward to getting a backstage, a backstage pass or a, a behind the scenes look at it when I'm out in uh, Utah for what's the event that I'm coming to? Uh, the soil health conference. It's the Utah soil health conference. So yep. we're going to be, uh, I'm going to be out there in, in AJ and Brooks backyard and oh, checking yeah. out, checking out the Utah scene. I've been through Utah a little bit, but I'm going to get to see way more of it. And I'm going to get to learn a lot about soil health. I'm going to get to meet, uh, Alejandro. I'm going to get to meet, yep. um, the white, Oak, not white Oaks pastures. Um, Joe Salatin. Joe Salatin from, uh, from Virginia. What's the name of his farm? Uh, that is Polyface Farms. Polyface Farms, Farms yes. Yep. And I actually mm-hmm. played some uh, Polyface Farms in one of the episodes of Serious Fun before I even knew who he was. Uh, it was just because he was offering such an incredible like alternative to these yeah, food practices that are destroying yeah. the planet. Yep. Um, so shout out to uh, anybody that wants to go check it out. I personally am excited. We'll definitely get some good content, put it up on social media so people can see what it's like. And we're going to shoot a couple of shows. It's going to be it's going to be a whole heap of fun. I also would like to thank our talent donor, Liz Wallace, for the clip. She's the first person to send a clip to the show. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And I'd also like to thank our talent donor, Adam Kirkup. Adam Kirkup for this edition of Bop or Flop. They say a glass of wine can take a day from your life, but the span of my days is always numbered anyway. I'll trade one in for some living tonight. It's been a long, cold year And we've both seen our share of tears While the dogs still surround I'll dig my heels into the ground And raise a flag saying we're still here Oh, tonight let's put our arguments to bed Open a bottle, kiss our children on their heads Dance with all the two left-footed grace that we've been given it's time we taste some goodness in the land of the living. How are we feeling over here, AJ? That's a bop, bro. I mean, bop. 
The mood is not quite a bop, but it's a, I'm a fan. Adam, I, the land of the living, this is the one that I didn't hit you in the mouth with last time because we went so hard. But I'm just bringing some wholesome energy. This sounds like a ran- something a rancher would listen to, does it not? <laughs> yes, it does. This it, is what I listen to. This is the kind of music I listen to up and down the highway. The land of the living. We're going to give him just a little bit more airtime, and we'll move on with the rest of the show. Thank you, Adam Kirk, for being a producer of this show. land of the living. Well, tonight let's make sweet music Though we're hazy on the tune We may not slay our demons But we sure got them confused Oh, tonight let's put our arguments to bed It's not every day that you get to sit down and just listen to some good music, talk about things that are going on in the world, create value for other people. And again, I cannot thank the producers of this show enough for this incredible opportunity to spread some joy, spread some awareness, hopefully entertain you for the roughly 90 minutes that we get you from week to week. And we deeply, deeply appreciate this opportunity. So as AJ mentioned, There are some protests going on over in Europe, particularly in Germany. And here is DW News, which is a German-English-based German news organization talking about the protests, as AJ mentioned earlier in the show. Farmers across Germany have begun a week-long strike to protest the government's plans to cut agricultural fuel subsidies. Lawmakers have already rolled back that decision after weeks of angry demonstrations. Protests planned for the next seven days include rallies that will disrupt traffic in several regions. A procession of tractors is expected to block off a central road here in Berlin as farmers bring their frustrations to the government's doorstep. And boy, did they ever. Have you seen some of those lines? Oh, yeah, they've been awesome. Man, they out there. Mm-hmm. They by out the, there. By the thousands. By the thousands. T- tens of thousands, possibly. It's a lot more than they expected. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when people like the representatives of the World Economic Forum underestimate the intelligence and the gall of the common people. You re- you broke trust, my man, and my, my, my fellow global citizens, and you're not doing yourself many favors by going out there and saying you own the science and you own the information and that it's we going to have to radically change what we do in order to accommodate for all the things that you think are so smart it's, it's it's ridiculous, and and this is why I'm I'm say I save these for the end of the show because this is good news as far as I'm concerned, and this is how you actually create change, you know, in a way that's positive. It's from the ground up. Yep. Yes. Um. So I have a couple of clips that are deconstructing this whole situation. Uh, it's one of our favorites, Ava Vlardingerbrook, and this is her discussing the German farmers' protest. And this is the uh, the most frequent highway in Germany. The most used highway most in used Germany? Hi- actually, in Europe, to be honest. Oh wow! Too. So it's not it's not normal to stand here. 
but um, no, we, we are we are sick of lies. We are sick of trying to get rid of our jobs. It's not only farmers. It's the uh, the lorry drivers. It's the normal workers. Everybody is sick of politicians who have no idea what they're talking about. Who have no education to tell us how our lifestyle should look like. And this is the result of four years trying to get in contact with polit politicians, talking to them on an equal level, but they won't listen. And now we have no other choice than to demonstrate, and it's our right. That's yes. One of the highest rights, especially in Germany. Yeah. Demonstrate. We are not violent. This is all friendly. Um, you can see we have a we have a small gap where people can drive through, police, ambulances, everybody can come through. But um, this is only this is only the tip of the, the tip of the iceberg, to be honest. Because all over in Germany we have this is the west. We have Dutch uh, farmers coming over to support yeah, us in the, the east. We have um, um, Hungarian farmers, Polish farmers. And we are all united in, in um, getting rid of politicians who are trying to get rid of us. So that's some boots on the ground from Ava Vardingerbrook, who has become definitely like a doll of the conservative movement worldwide. Um, and for people that try to imagine that this is just an, that the rise of, quote, conservatism is just an American phenomenon, it's not. Mm -hmm. And it's a direct response to the last four to five years, including yep. the pandemic, including the lockdowns, including all of this mumbo jumbo propaganda nonsense about carbon footprint and how we can't grow our own food. It's it's just and as the uh, and I don't I didn't catch the name of the German farmer. He I love how he said it. He said they're not educated. Yeah, they think they're so highly educated that they're so smart. But in certain areas in politics, maybe. In book in books maybe, but you're not mm -hmm. educated on the boots on the ground stuff. And that's if if the people who are boots on the ground are against what you're doing and you think that you have to override them because you're smarter than them, but you don't do that every day. It's just it lacks so much common sense. Yes. And that's so much. that's what we're getting back to is a rise of common sense. And it drives it drives the elites crazy because mm -hmm. they're 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 sure that their elite book smart sense the the high highfalutin institutional uh, education is way more uh, valuable than common sense and you know I don't know how many times we have to do this but this is not the first populist rise of the world that is in direct <laughs> direct confrontation with the global ad agenda to remove sovereignty and to initiate anti-citizen legislation yep. over yep. science that's just not settled right uh, i have one more from trt world uh, about the thousands of farm farmers protesting in germany thousands of tractors making their way to berlin's brandenburg gate on monday police were expecting five thousand it's the climax of a week-long protest against government plans to cut their diesel subsidies and hike taxes. It's not fair, farmers say. But the finance minister said they have to pay their share. A legal challenge to the coalition's budget has forced it into making huge cuts across the economy. There must not be those who suffer more than others, and here we agree, but everyone must make a contribution. The state subsidies and the value-added tax which was reduced during the pandemic crisis will expire. 
His message didn't go down well. Farmers have vowed to keep protesting. If the government withdraws the plan to raise taxes, we will remove the tractors from the street. As long as they won't do that, we will continue to make use of our constitutional right to demonstrate. As with recent protests in the Netherlands, farmers say politicians take their food and hard work for granted. It's a difficult argument to make, given recent increases in the profits made by agriculture up 45% last year. But they argue their way of life is... I'm stopping that guy right there. See, that? It, that is some real disinformation right there. He said that's a hard yep. argument to make, considering their profits have been up 45%. It ain't their profits that are up 45%. No, it's not. That is, that is disinformation. That is intentionally misleading information. Yep. That, see, this is why the trust has been broken. Mm -hmm. It's because they will say both of those, they will say that with sincerity and hope you don't catch it. Yeah. But let me bring it home for the listeners that are, that are, that are listening to this. If you're listening to that conversation, the consumer needs to take responsibility for doing further research instead of just listening to that clip if you're if you if it came across your feed and just taking it for what it is it's your food sovereignty these greedy farmers part. these greedy farmers who are making money hand over fist it ain't the farmers no. who are making money no and it, i get that question not often but i get that question in my social sometimes well are the farmers going to make it affordable well hold on the system you're talking about they are not dictating that at all so it's it's just a they've heard clips like that and then they just assume that that's the bad guy. Those are the ones making the prices of food go up. Yes, and uh, I have three more clips, and I know we gotta we have a hard stop, but I have one from France twenty four about how the French politicians are trying to woo the farmers. <laughs> okay. okay, farmers are furious, and many taking to the streets. Dozens of tractors blocking a highway in the southwest of the country. They say they face unfair competition. Cheaper products are imported, but do not have to adhere to the same strict standards. Agriculture, a major sector of the French economy. Me and the protests come one month before the industry showcase event, the Paris Farm Fair. Highways blocked with tractors and hay and manure dumped outside public buildings. Farmers in southwest of France are putting pressure on the government. We're going to continue these actions to put even greater pressure on Mr. Macron who spoke the other evening without saying a word about agriculture. We've been suffering for 20 years, or even 40 years or more. We're trying to make ourselves heard with hard-hitting actions like freeway blockades. According to French farmers, the sector faces high production costs and excessive regulations which put them at a disadvantage compared to competitors from other countries. On the same day, the president of the far-right National Rally Party, who is a candidate in the European Parliament elections, visited a farm in southwest France to also declare his sympathy for the farmers, aware of the sector's growing support for the far-right. I invite the Minister of Agriculture to put on his boots and come here to see the suffering of farmers who are bearing the brunt of his policy and who can no longer stand accepting all these European rules that mean that our farmers can no longer make a decent living from their work. In an attempt to quell the growing frustration and prevent further strike action, Prime Minister Attal will meet with farmer union leaders on Monday. 
part of the reason that we do the show is to deconstruct. And one of the things that they said is that they're luring farmers into being far right. Mm-hmm. We've far, heard that here. Far, Patriot extremists. Far right is such a nudge, dude. Yep. They're trying to discredit with words and mm-hmm. they are, it's hyperbolic and it's exaggerated. It's not far right to be pro farming. It's not far right to be pro your nation. It's not far right to want to protect your nation's ability to feed itself. It's not far right. It may be right by today's standards, but it sure as hell ain't far right. And that's why people like David Icke's clips about the Netherlands are coming back to the front. The Netherlands, the second biggest exporter of food in the world, is targeting farmers to destroy them and get them off the land, which is where all these farming protests in the Netherlands have come from. At a time of food shortages and supply chain problems, you are targeting the second biggest exporter of food in the bloody world to destroy its farming base. Why are you doing that? If people depend on you for what's left of the food, you control them. Where food is abundant and cheap, you do not control it. Where energy is cheap and abundant, you do not control it. Scarcity equals dependency equals control. And that's why they're targeting the food chain, they're targeting the energy supply, they're targeting everything. Agenda 21 is not just happening in the United States. It's a, it's a, it's a global agenda. <laughs> yes, global agenda. And that's why the farmers are protesting in Germany, in the Netherlands, in France. And it's not the rise of far right. It is a direct response to what actually could be and should be considered the far left. The hyper-controlled socialist communists. That's that's mm-hmm. what they're responding to. Okay, mm-hmm. I have one more clip, and then we're shutting the show down, okay? This All one right. I say for last, it's hilarious. It's from South Park, and boy, oh boy, do they have a tendency to hit it right on the head. It's dinner time on the East Coast in less than an hour. People are going to die. Sir, we've got a boy on the hotline who says he might know something. Who is this? My name isn't important. What matters is that the answer is in the pyramid. The pyramid? That's ancient stuff you're talking about. Are you sure? Bring up the pyramid. Food pyramid. But what is it? What is it for? We built the pyramid a long time ago to illustrate how much people should eat of the four basic food groups. Sir, we abandoned the pyramid when Michelle Obama got involved. The pyramid doesn't work. We've already tried it. It's upside down. What? Sir, the pyramid is upside down. Turn the pyramid upside down. You can't be serious. That would put butter and fat at the top Flip of the... the damn food pyramid. This is not FDA approved. It's dinner time on the East Coast in 10 minutes. Now do it. Sir, we've got a match. Nutrition is stabilizing. We've got a well-balanced vaccine, sir. Get the president on the phone. Tell him to have some steak with his butter. <laughs> South Park, as what always. A, what a great last clip. Thank right you. on the money. Mm-hmm. AJ, dude, we're just, in my opinion, we're just bringing the heat these last couple of episodes. Good one. It was a good one. I love it. It's what happens when you try to mess with the common folk and say we shouldn't be able to share information and that you yep. own the facts and you own the science. Sometimes we just got to put the smack down on you. Yep. That's right. Apply let some me close common out, sense. Let me close out with this. Do it. 
people, if you're listening to this, I want you to understand that when the time comes, you may question if you're the only one that's going to stand up and you're not. The reality is when they say far right, it's because they're so far left that it does sound far right. And what the whole situation with the J6 and throwing people in prison, they're trying to scare you to make you think that you're alone. You're not. There may come a time where you're going to look around and think, man, somebody should do something. And that could be growing a garden. It could be raising food for your neighbor. It doesn't matter. You are that somebody. Right now is the time for you to decide how you want to play the game for the rest of your life. This year, I believe, is a deciding year. But I just want you to know you're not alone. You know, I heard somebody say in a clip, and maybe we'll play it one of these days. Maybe we already played it. But what COVID did was really weed out the wheat from the chaff. And there's a lot more of us, the silent majority. We can't be silent anymore, but we are the majority. So just know, just like the farmers in, the, in Germany, how many of those guys do you think should do something? And then when it came time, they all showed up. So I just want you to know you are not the only one. I meet people daily because of the work we're in that are doing things to make our lives and our future possible so that we can continue to raise our families the way that we choose and not be dictated and controlled by the people that would like to have that power. And with that, I would say, shake the hand to feed you. And that's it for episode 13. Haven't decided on a name. Could be WTFWEF. That's it. Uh, that's that's it. it. It's WTFWEF. That's it. That's it. WTFWEF. And that's a wrap for episode 13 of the Feed the People podcast. I'm here with your host, AJ Richards. I'm your producer, Brooks Meadows. Brooke Ence will be back in the studio with us next week. And like AJ said, until then, shake the hand that feeds you. Oh.